Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome back, everybody, to another Basement Binge episode, especially as we continue through Nolan November. You saw the title of the episode, The Dark Knight Rises, the conclusion of The Dark Knight, the Batman trilogy for Christopher Nolan. This Nolan November has been a ton of fun. I have absolutely loved revisiting these films that I have such deep love and passion for. And to make it even better, this Nolan November wouldn't be complete without bringing on two guests who share a similar love for Christopher Nolan. Uh, Since the podcast started, that love for Christopher Nolan has been a part of it. So if you haven't guessed, welcome back to the other two original trios, Kate and Keldon. I'm so good. What's good, everybody? Oh my gosh. This is a throwback episode. This is Nostalgia Nolan. This is just the reunion of how it all started and it feels so good to finally do this again and sit down and record a podcast with you guys oh dude this is so fun we were talking before and it's like kellen joked it's it's bringing back the memories it's nostalgic it's fun and i I have been wanting to get you guys on the show again as you know we've tried a few times and it just felt like you know what christopher nolan this is one of those things that we always talked about our love for. We did Interstellar. I remember we loved that episode. So it just felt that this was this was the right time. I'm super pumped. We had we'd actually been talking about doing this for a couple months now, actually. I think since the summer. And it was yeah. just no better time than doing it for Christopher Nolan. So I'm all hands on deck here. Yes. I'm really, really excited to get into the episode. Um before we do that, we before we get into two cents, just actually, no, we'll save that. Let's let's treat everybody with two cents. Then I'll give you guys a chance later to give any kind of life update that if you want to, don't feel like you have to. But let's get into the the fun of the episode. Um, we'll tease everybody so they keep listening to to hear what's happening in your life. <laughs> uh, so two cents. If you are new to the basement binge, or if you're returning after a long time, welcome back, like Kate and Kelton. Two cents. What it is is two minutes of uninterrupted time where you just get to share your knee jerk reaction. No one's allowed to interrupt you. It's completely spoiler free. 
there is a legitimate two minute timer. Um, so you got to cram in your thoughts as fast as possible. So Kelton, as you're the youngest here, the floor is yours for the next two minutes before I cut you off. Let's go, baby. All right. Okay. So this is one of the few movies where I legitimately have the soundtrack downloaded on my phone. And while I'm at work, I'm listening to The Dark Knight Rises opening song. And holy cow, I love this movie. I really do. Um, I think it definitely has a different perspective in terms of Batman. It's not just like the straight action, oh, Batman's fighting, fighting, blah, blah, blah. There's actually a very limited amount of that hardcore action that you've seen so much of in the first two movies. And I think there's so much happening and there's so many different threads and like origins and voices happening that you are just taking it all in. And I've seen this movie probably eight times. And this time watching it, I had a completely new like revelation. And it was so cool to sit back and watch this movie where it totally plays big on the undertones of a movie that you don't normally pay attention to. Like I was able to see this perspective of Batman and Commissioner Gordon through a completely different lens and just understanding like their love for Gotham and everything they've done for that city. And just how it all ties together so well to have a villain come in with like such a hatred for Gotham, like Bane, and just to have them go at it. And the soundtrack plays in so well. Like I said, this is one of the few movies where I have the songs on my iPhone and I listen to them regularly at work. So I would, oh, I love this movie. I think it's better than the first one. Not as good as the second because the second's the goat, but <laughs> I absolutely love this movie and I would definitely recommend it. Wow, that was, you legitimately landed at one minute and 59 Let's seconds. It was impressive. Dude, old habits die hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to let Cade go next. I'll, I'll say my thoughts for last because it's just fun to hear your guys' thoughts again. So take it away, Cade. Okay. All right. <clears throat> I just want to say, like, this is the best Batman series is an all time classic and I, people are starting to forget about it. And that kind of worries me because as I was watching this movie, I'm like, gosh, I gotta, I gotta start this whole franchise over and just dive into the whole lore and everything because Holy crap. Bane is such a good villain. And <laughs> I, I was, as I was watching it, I felt scared. Like, man, I do not want to meet Bane in person. Like, he is terrifying. Like, this whole plan, the way he just executes it, like, just from the freaking get-go, like, dropping a plane without its wings, that whole scene was ridiculous. Um, but I wanted to challenge myself when I watched this movie to find, like, the details in it because I've seen this movie so many times, like Kelton, and enjoy the overall main story, but I wanted to find some details like, like people's expressions throughout the movie and also like people's, what they say, especially Alfred, Michael Caine, because he has retired from acting and that was, wow. I'm, I'm glad he, I don't know. That's a whole different story, 
But, and I have some great quotes from him that I want to share with everybody. But I just, it's really hard to understand this movie without seeing The Goat, The Dark Knight. And I feel like these two movies are just a package deal. Like, you got to have both because the story just continues so well from The Dark Knight to this movie that it's just like, you got to have another package. And, uh, yeah, I'm just five seconds. Okay. I'm just so excited to just appreciate Nolan again because he's <laughs> <laughs> all right. I told you there's a legitimate two minute timer. Okay. I will give my spoiler free thoughts and we'll move on with the episode. Man, th- this has been a blast to just go through Christopher Nolan. And it's so fun to have you guys here to just be excited about a great filmmaker who makes exciting films that are great to watch. The Dark Knight Rises is a film that I was kind of worried about revisiting just because I felt like people have this kind of idea about it that it's the worst one. Uh, It by no means is it. I don't think I could pick the worst one because they're all fantastic. But just the way that it continues the story of Batman and the way that Christopher Nolan as a writer and director pushes the character of Batman and pushes the character of his villains and what they can say about our world and kind of the pre-science of this film reflecting reality, pushing what you can do in the genre of a comic book movie and completely changing the genre just while also like cranking up the action in it, in all the interviews and Christopher Nolan talking about this, he always talks about how the third sequel is always the hardest and the audience never lets you step down. And how do you step it up after the dark night? Like, like genuinely, how do you do that? And they do here in, in masterfully well. It is, it is so intense. Bane is a fantastic villain to Batman, who we've seen for so long, just be successful in every way and always winning. And Bane is a, is a villain that challenges him in new ways. And it's just, it's a fantastic film that's written well. It has incredible performances, both as characters but also emotionally, like Kate and Kellen talked about, it has an incredible undertones of really prescient things that I'm excited to talk about. The, the way that it's produced from the action and the, the use of the IMAX camera, holy smokes, they really continue to pioneer that. Christopher Nolan does just... Some of the things you watch and you just, are you serious? Like they did that in camera. Are you kidding me? It, it's, it's ridiculous. The lengths and extent that this film goes to... Uh, and my heart was pounding. It, it just, yeah, I, I'll, yeah, it just is an intense film. It's incredible what they're able to accomplish with it. A fantastic trilogy. What a way to conclude it. But that's my end of two cents because I have a two minute timer. Man, this is so much harder when I don't have guests. The two cents <laughs> can be as long as it wants to be. But now having a two minute timer, wow, I felt rushed. Um, yeah. Okay. That's our spoiler for reactions. Let's get into the next segment here, which is only when I have guests on the show, and that is Rummage for the Rotten. Okay, so this is a segment where when I have a guest, we all take turns guessing who we think is going to like the film the least or who is going to be the rotten. We're not going to reveal our rating until the very end of the episode. We'll all rate it out of five. When that's revealed, whoever likes it the least is the rotten. Cade and Kelton, you can vote for yourself if you think you're going to be the rotten, the person with the lowest score out of five. So also kind of be preparing what you're going to give this film out of five. Um, we'll go in the same order. Cade or, or Kelton, who do you think? Then Cade and then I'll go. So who do you think is going to be the rotten, Kelton? All right. So here's some serious shade going down, but I vote Harrison. I just, I oh, feel <laughs> this isn't like, <laughs> I don't think this is like, 
personal at all, but I just got Harrison vibes written all over this. <laughs> I, I really think it's, I don't think, I don't know, maybe it's because I've talked to Cade and maybe because I've grown up like watching these movies with Cade. Mm. And I would just say you like it the least only because it's compared to Dark Knight and Batman Begins. Fair enough. But yeah, so I've fair enough. I, I that last line, you got some truth there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you also think it's me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I just increased my rating by a percentage of one just to prove you guys wrong. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, like, here's the thing, though, is that we know how much you love the other movies. Like, it's not saying that your love for this movie is like diminished and it's garbage, but it's the point where, like, we got Tenet, Inception, Interstellar, which I know I saw your reaction when. <laughs> First time. <laughs> so it's kind of like you, you're kind of out of your sorts here. Like we we know, man. <laughs> yeah, my cards are revealed. Um. Okay. Well, I'm gonna guess who I think is gonna be first. I'm not gonna guess it's me. I I was before I rewatched the movie. I thought it was gonna be me. I do love The Dark Knight a lot, and I haven't seen The Dark Knight Rises in a while, and so I kind of just felt it was the weakest. Now revisiting it, I was impressed by how much I really, really didn't like it. So now I'm not as confident that it's going to be me. I'm going to go with Kelton. I don't really have much to go on besides just Kate is like the ultimate hype man. And I feel like he's the type of person that likes <laughs> everything he likes. Five out of ten. <laughs> everything is, you know, like, like Wendy's, mm, 10 out of 10. Olive Garden, 10 out of 10. <laughs> You know, you know, like Kate would be the type of person who's like starving, and you give him like a raise, and he's like mm, ten out of ten. You know, like if he's in the middle, <laughs> he's just the hype man. Oh my god, <laughs> Harrison, you just explained Cade to a T. <laughs> like, wow. Bread and butter, <laughs> so transparent now. Cade's so, just so black and white. It's like, do you hate it or do you love it? And he's just like, I love it every time. Ten out of ten. <laughs> Can't go lower. So for that reason, I'm just going to have to go with Kelton because I feel like Kelton has a little more uh, discretion when it comes to it. <laughs> My excitement is bridled. So. Right, right. Um, so yeah, I guess two votes for me, one vote for Kelton. We'll see. Cade, we're going to shock the whole world when it's you, but you'll have to get to the episode <laughs> oh, to have it revealed. Okay, so before we get into the rest of the episode, before we get into the spoilers, I want to, if you guys want, don't feel obligated to give kind of any update about your life that you want to share on the podcast. Again, don't feel like you have to, but you guys have been gone for a while. You were like the original, tri- not like, you are the original tri hosts. So long-time listeners might be interested let's, in what's happening. Yeah, let's do it. Um, okay, I got to think. So I remember some of the last episodes... We recorded. I was actually working down at Lake Powell. And I do remember that. For anyone who has ever been there, I was at Bullfrog Lake Powell and there is zero service. I'm not kidding when I say zero. And the Wi-Fi was super spotty. So it was not gonna lie, it was very difficult to not only record the podcast, but like send it and upload it to Harrison. But since then, I actually met my now wife at Lake Powell, and we got married four months ago in July. And life is great. I'm back at school up at the U. I'm enjoying the married life and just 
reminiscing right now. Holy, I'm seriously getting hit hard with memories of doing this because <laughs> we we were pretty diligent with like i remember for a while there we were doing like two episodes a week oh it was we a ton binged the entire mcu in the span of like a month or something i swear oh, and yeah. we were just doing and we were hanging out having a good time always eating taco bell <laughs> getting to wendy's and it was good and so it seems crazy to think that it's been over a year now because i remember way back when talking to harrison while we mowed lines and he's like, hey, dude, like, what do you think of doing a podcast with like movies and stuff? And I was like, dude, that would be sick. Like, we all just get together and talk about movies. So, dude, yeah, I got to tell you, I'll have to send you my letterbox review, my most recent one for Edge of Tomorrow. You have forever changed my perspective of that movie. <laughs> I, and, and not just like, oh, my gosh, it's a sweet movie. It is. But like, I watched it the other day. It was in like the middle of COVID and it was how that movie inspired the podcast and how much it had an effect on our friendship and like memories we had together because of you and me talking about the movie mowing lawns. It like <laughs> was so yeah. weird to revisit yeah. alone in my house <laughs> on my phone. Roots. So roots of the podcast, right? I, I was just checking though. Okay, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Kellen, but I just was curious. So I, I went back and checked. We started the podcast for anybody who doesn't know in September of 2019. So just a few months ago was the two year anniversary of the show. Holy cow. The last episode we recorded together when the shoot now I lost it. Where did it go? It was episode number 69, believe it or not. <laughs> but okay, anyway. Um, so it is re ranking every MCU Infinity Saga movie. So when we finished the MCU, that was the last episode we did together. 69 episodes. It, it, and it was in June of 2020. So almost a full year going gangbusters. Uh, Dang. Yeah. Like 69 episodes in less than in like eight months. So like yeah, months. That's sitcom. 69 episodes of the basement. Well, like, think about that. Well, I know not every episode was tied to a movie, but I say we had at least like, I don't know, 63 of those were with a movie. I think, I think time end, spent. every single one of them was tied to a movie. I'm pretty sure. Because didn't well, we have like two episodes like, that were like the, we ranked all the all the Marvel movies? I don't think. Okay, had, yeah, okay. There there was two votes where we ranked it before okay. and then ranked it after. That is right. But yeah, that's the amount of time just for the movies we watched. The amount and of then we recording. That is so sick. And it's by the crazy. way, touching the point you brought up with Edge of Tomorrow. For some reason, I just have this internal timer of oh, it's time I watch Edge of Tomorrow again. <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> that timer ticked a little closer last week. I actually looked at the cover and I was like, <laughs> "Am I feeling it yet?" Am I? Feeling it wasn't last week. That timer is getting real close because talking about it makes me hyped. I got to watch that again. Up, Dude, I, I'll have to send you the review audience, that I wrote on it. Audience and, and everyone who's going to listen to this after, I can guarantee comes watch that movie after this. <laughs> Probably. For <laughs> once. The time this episode is live, Kelton has watched it. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. What, there's something in me that I just like connected spiritually with that movie and i wouldn't say like it's my absolute number one favorite movie of all time it's definitely my top 10 but man it's so crazy that it just 
I don't know. It's crazy. And you bring it up makes me so happy that like I at least help someone appreciate it as much as I do. Dude, I'm I'm sending I'm texting this to you right now because <laughs> it was like emotional to write this. It may it may not be coming back to it, but anyway. Yeah, edge of tomorrow. <laughs> How do we start talking about that? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, Kay, did you wanna do a little update or something? On uh sorry, say that again. You wanna do a little update on your life? Oh my gosh. People my life has changed in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> People like let me get the let me get the big the elephant in the room just right now. I am a dad. D A D dad. I have a daughter right now, and she is the like the joy in this world. Like insert white Nikes and in khaki shorts. <laughs> no, I, oh my! You know how much I've been resisting that, right? Kid needs to go mow lawn somewhere. I, have, I go to therapy every week to resist buying Reeboks at Costco. <laughs> at Costco. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to get this urge. Like, if I find a discount, yo, I gotta tell somebody about it. Coupon that stuff, bro. It's oh, it's I can't tell you how much I love being a dad. Like, I so there. I almost want to point out like the nerves and like the fear and the frustration and the you being exhausted, not being able to sleep, and just like the confusion you feel as a father. Like, let me tell you what that's real. (laughs) Like, it is real. It like those like thoughts like oh, what am I gonna do? Like you're gonna have those moments where like, you're gonna have a baby in your arms crying and you don't know what to do. Like that's gonna happen. Like it's, it happens with everybody. But let me tell you this. When you see them smile, when you see them grab hold of a toy for the first time, eat solid food for the first time, <laughs> smile, laugh for the first time, dude, all those like struggles just like I don't care that they happen or will happen. Like that smile right there makes everything worth it. I just forget about like my struggles for the day. It's just like, boom, I'm happy again. It's great. And so like my daughter has just been like part of my life and it's been like a, every day where that's really basically all I do is take care of her. But like I've, I'm starting to slowly crawl toward be being able to work in the profession that I've been going to school for, for I don't know how many years, like I'm not saying that I knew what I wanted to do when I first started school when I was like, you know, in kindergarten, but I'm telling you like, think about how many years you've been in school, kindergarten, all the way through high school. And then going to college, if those who have gone to college, like those are another, another four years onto that, like so many years going to school, sitting at a desk and writing down something, taking a test or an exam, and then I'm at the point where I am on the on the edge of that, about to jump off into like the workplace, and that is such a weird feeling. I don't think anybody talks about that enough. Um. So that being said, I'm in I'm in my internship right now, and I've been learning a ton, trying to figure out how to be an actual professional. <laughs> uh, um. I really want to buy a house. And it's so hard to <laughs> well, I went from zero to sixty. I'm trying to be a professional and I want to buy a house. <laughs> like, like I just love the idea of having a house and like a backyard. I can like throw on my grill and like roll some solid burgers for my kids and 
you know, talk about the stock market. I don't know. We'll get there when we get there. But like, it's just, I'm in this point where like, I'm on the edge of massive change. There's like me having my daughter and then I'm on the edge of massive change to not being done with school completely and just working, coming home nine to five or whatever my schedule will be. But it's just, I have, I have a lot of anticipation every time I wake up in the morning of just like excitement because I'm on the verge of something so exciting. That is exciting for me, man. Yeah. That's my life well, so far. Yeah. <laughs> so now, the, now you know. If you miss the other two tryouts, that's what they've been doing. Having babies, getting married. Like, what the heck? Clearly, the basement binge is more important than those things, but they chose their priorities. <laughs> our friendship has suffered ever since. We have failed the Harrison. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, our lives are like, the, like those annoying commercial ads on YouTube where you got to watch two six second commercials before you got to watch your video. That's our life. <laughs> right. Um, cool. Well, before we get into the episode as well, it's super, super brief announcement. You can follow the Basement Binge on social media. That if you want, it's particularly if you want to contribute to these episodes, the release order has been weird for this episode. So I didn't have any contribution for The Dark Knight Rises. But the next episode coming out, Inception, Interstellar is coming along. If you want to contribute, follow me on social media, particular Instagram. I have polls going on there. Just fun ways to interact. Get excited for that. All that linked in the show notes as well. Additionally, speaking of going back to Edge of Tomorrow, if you would like a screen pass, if you don't know what that is, it's just this feature built into Movies Anywhere where it allows me to share specific films in my collection with you absolutely free. It's not something that like means a lot to me. It literally does nothing for me. It is only intended to be shared. I get three a month. The Dark Knight Rises, Batman Begins, and The Dark Knight are all eligible for a screen pass on top of Edge of Tomorrow. So if you want to watch any of those movies, I have... Two screen passes remaining this month. Let me know. I'm happy to share it with you. Anyway, before we move on to the next segment, you guys didn't know this was going to happen. I didn't tell you on purpose. Every time I have a guest on the show, and although you guys aren't kind of guests, I'm still going to do it. I love to pick your guys' brains and ask you questions about movies you're unprepared for. So are you ready? Let's do it. This sounds awesome. All right. Okay. Okay. Because there's two of you, we're going to have to do it a little bit more rapid fire. So I'm going to ask a question to Kelton and then to Cade. Just kind of respond one right after another. Okay. So first, the first question for you, favorite director. Who's going first? Is it me or is it with Kelton? Kelton and then Kate. So just you, you yeah. can rattle them off as fast as you can think of it. Favorite director, uh, Kelton. Tied with Christopher Nolan and Taika Waititi. Okay. Cade? Christopher Nolan. We're a bunch of homers, dude. <laughs> okay. All right. Follow up to that. Favorite genre of film? Oh, oh man. Um, um, suspense for me. Thriller. Okay. Favorite film within your favorite genre? Quiet Place. The first or second one? Is Quiet Place in my genre too? Sorry, what? Is Quiet Place in my genre too? Yeah, it would be both, but first or second, Kellen? Uh, First. Have you seen the second one? Yes. Okay, I was going to say, if you're a fan of the thrillers and you haven't seen the second one, oh my gosh, that movie will put oh you gosh. on the edge yeah, of your seat. Yeah, it's, I feel like the first one's more horror and the second one's more thriller, but they're both so good. Okay, anyway. Yeah, hey, yeah. what is your favorite film within your favorite genre? Oh my gosh. I don't want to say that. I'm also... <laughs> I'm also at Quiet Place. That's oh, so good. Um, okay. 
Fair enough. I, I forgot to say the same. Okay. Well, I forgot to ask this for the last oh, question. Okay. Hold on. Or what? I'll either either I am legend. I'm like, I remember that episode. <laughs> okay. I forgot to ask this question in, in response to the last question. Favorite movie from your favorite director. Um, Inception or the dark Knight for Christopher Nolan. And, uh, probably Thor. Ragnarok, yeah, Taika, yeah, he did that one, right? He did, yeah, dude. Okay, yeah, probably. If you Ragnarok. haven't already, you gotta check out check out what we do in the shadows, Taika Waititi. It is so funny, such a good film. Really? Okay, yes. I'll write that down. Yeah, what we do in the shadows on it. All right, Cade, favorite film from Christopher Nolan? I this is weird for me, but it, my all time favorite was Toppled. My all-time favorite from Nolan was Inception. It was just my OG, you know? And it was toppled by Tenant. Dude, I have so many positive things to say about Tenant. Wow. (laughs) I did not know that. That's crazy. All right. Okay, super quick. Favorite actor, favorite actress? Tom Hardy. And favorite actress? Ooh. Come back to me on that one. My mind just went blank. Okay. Cade? Say that question again. You kind of broke up. Favorite actor, favorite actress. Oh, oh, um, dang, actor is so hard. I'm stuck between Christopher Nolan and Samuel Jackson. Christopher Nolan is not an you actor. Mean, um, right, right. I meant to say, I meant to say Christian Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, wow, <laughs> Christopher Nolan, same person. Oh yeah. I'm sorry, I was. I'm my. And um, what's your favorite actress? Actress. Oh, uh, I, uh, I'm stuck at that one. Oh, it's so hard. Um, first hey, of all, you think about it. I'm, I'm gonna say, for me, while you think about it, I'm gonna say Emily Blunt. And good choice. That's just. I mean, I said the two movies. Why? But Edge of Tomorrow and Quiet Place. She is phenomenal. Yes. Okay. Do you have a favorite actress that you can think of or mention? Oh, I can't. Cool. No worries. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Let, me, let me look up. All right, I'll give me give me like twenty seven seconds. I'll look. I'll, I'll look it up. I'm gonna count. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she is one of my favorites, but uh, it's Elizabeth Debicki. Oh, Who from Tenant. Yeah, she was in Tenant. Um. She's she the played. Um, Why can't I remember oh, her okay, name? Okay. Um, yeah, her name's. But Kat. she's fantastic. Yeah. Oh yeah, Cat. That's who she plays. But she, oh my gosh, you got to see. She's fantastic. Not just in Tenant, but in so many films. Yeah. Great choice. Um, okay. Uh, all right. I'm trying to remember all these other questions. I forgot to write them down. Okay. Favorite f- current running film franchise. Current running, I, current running really limits it. Favorite film franchise. Just doesn't have to be current running. Favorite film franchise. Okay, I'll answer your first one because I like the question. Current, uh, I love the Venom franchise right now. Really? Okay. Yeah. And I know that's going to be like super controversial, but you got to go in with the right expectations. 
It's Fair not enough. meant to be an MCU mind-blowing, oh my gosh, that was absolutely gnarly. It's meant to see Venom and Tom Hardy just joke around and be kind of idiots and then just watch them battle out. And part of it is because I love Carnage. He's my favorite villain of all time. So finally having a movie oh. about him was awesome. I did not See, know I'd say Venom is my favorite current franchise and then favorite franchise of all time belongs to, ta-da, Batman with the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. Cool. Cade? <sighs> current franchise that is my favorite. Um. Oh, shoot. Dune gets a little uh, honorable mentioned. Oh, Dune. I have that has I'm so much potential that. for me. I'm going to be honest with you. That has, that has so much potential for me. Okay. Current franchise. Can I say this? Can I say the Spider-Man franchise? Sure. Yeah. I want to go with the Spider-Man franchise. Like that. Oh, I just want to point out our, our just our very first recording our first podcast episode ever spider-verse that was our first ever like i still watch that and i would man so good i'd say the spider-man franchise for sure is my favorite current one the one that's been the one that's no longer current is jason bourne Mm, okay oh yeah it's good all right okay next question here for you oh i just forgot it hold on give me half a second to remember um all right recommend the listeners a movie that you think they haven't seen before. Say that again? So, that I haven't seen before? Re- no, no, no. Recommend to the listeners a movie that you like, the good movie, a recommendation to the listeners that you think they have not seen before, right? So like a hidden gem or an underrated movie, recommend one. All right, here's a good one. For some reason, this is another movie where I have an internal timer. And I love everything about it. Soundtrack to actors, everything. But this is an old one, October Sky. This one we have on VHS (laughs) at my parents' house. And I pop that sucker in usually every fall slash winter Christmas time. And man, it's such a good... It has Mike Gyllenhaal in it. Or sorry, not, not Mike. Jake Gyllenhaal in it. Really good. He's definitely young. Um, but it's just an amazing film that talks about like dreams of just a teenage kid and what he does to like fight for it and pursue it, even though it, his own family or his own town might be completely against it. It's just... It's a... It'll make you feel good. And it's really cool. And the soundtrack's amazing. So October Sky, go check it out. All right, Cade. Yeah. Um, movie that people have not seen yet. How we first met with Adam Devine. Okay. I gotta tell you, like, I, I know it's a rom com, but hear me out here. Like, it's just they they like casted Adam Devine. By the way, he's one of my favorite comic actors. To be honest, they hired Adam Devine, and they said, "All right, have fun." And he freaking rocked that movie. I, it's so I love it. It's one of the it's a, it's the only rom com that I've seen multiple times. It's just I gotta, I gotta get to myself some Adam Devine man. It's hilarious. I definitely recommend that one. Okay, you would, you would be surprised by that one. Great recommendations. Okay, I have five more questions for you. The next one is name a movie that surprised you the most. Like 
that after seeing it, you were just surprised by that, be in a good way, in a bad way, just however you feel you can answer that question, a movie that really surprised you. For example, I would say Edge of Tomorrow. I was not expecting that movie to be that good. I was surprised by it for many reasons. If you don't know, just go listen to that episode. It's a really good episode. I promise. That's an example. Kate and Kelton will understand what I mean by that. They were there when my mind was blown. Um, so yeah, <laughs> movie that surprised you. Dirty Dancing. My wife recommended it, and I didn't think I'd like it, but it's kind of <laughs> solid. <laughs> what? Straight up. She'd always talk to me. I was like, all right, Dirty wow. Dancing. It's probably some musical weird thing. Actually kind of solid, not going to lie. Okay. I was not expecting that. Kate? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought that movie was going to be garbage. I really thought that the movie was going to be trash. Like, I actually second Kato with this one. I saw like, the trailer, I was like, bruh. Fair enough. That, like, oh my gosh. Okay, I lied. I have Now I have five more questions. Okay. <laughs> if you could only watch one movie for the rest of your life, what movie would you pick? Interstellar. Or Inception. Mm, rest of my life. Ugh. Tenant. Okay. That's I mean, on mine right now. It's like my all-time favorite. But like, I don't blame you. That's a great I film to rewatch. Actually, Sandlot. 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 Okay. Yeah. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. All right. Okay, what is your most anticipated film that is, you know, this year, next year, coming out? Most anticipated film, you know, you could even say Dune Part 2. You know, just just films that are announced or in production, most anticipated film. Hmm. I'm just going to say Dune, because I that was the most recent one I saw, and I am really excited for that one. Like, it's making me want to read the book because I want to know what's happening. Dude, it's so good. All right, Cade, uh, most anticipated I mean, film? I have a tie. It was, so like, it was No Time to Die. Oh, have, have you seen that? Have you seen that? I haven't. I oh, it's not, so good. I down. To be honest, I have made a oh. list. I still have a lot of movies I need to catch up on. Doom was my first one. I got to see No Time to Die. I got to see Free Guy. And I have to see Red Notice. Like, I have a... There's a bunch of other ones. But, like, No Time to Die, that anticipation. I love Daniel Craig's James Bond. The other one that's tied with it is A Quiet Place Part 3. Okay. In respect to No Time to Die, it comes to premium video on demand rental this Friday. So, you can watch it at home if you want. But it it is... I saw it twice in theaters. I was so blown away by it probably one of my all-time favorite films just it, it is so good i love no time to die uh so i'm glad you mentioned that okay if you could have any role on a movie set director producer gaffer boom mic holder the person who drives a golf cart like literally any role on a movie set what would it be actor I've, yeah i mean that's an obvious one i call dibs on the witty line guy where he literally gets one or two lines and for example i know it's for the dark knight rises but this doesn't spoil anything there's a part where he says um like oh boy you're in for a show tonight or something i I just want to be that guy who has like two funny lines and you never see him for the rest of the film i would be happy 
I thought the one you were going to point out, because you always pointed him out, was in the Guardians of the Galaxy, both of them, James Gunn's brother, Sean Gunn, who plays that one guy, uh, that one Ravager, and he, yeah, I thought that was who you were going to mention. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Okay, so, what would your be movie role? The question is, what movie role? Or just, like- just any any role on a movie set in a movie in the production status writer director producer boom mic holder the person who s- hits the slap board which is I think is like camera assistant two or something like that the golf cart driver the person who caters uh, assistant to Mister whoever you know that like you see in the credits VFX artist I don't know just any person involved in the production of a film what would you pick stuntman. That's percent stuntman because you yes. have this like one-on-one relationship with an actor and you also just get to know them on a personal like one-to-one level where there's no cameras there's no like paparazzi it's just like it's just you and him and just you're just chatting you're just talking or whatever and be able to watch them act just to witness history within film like like a, like a fly on the wall man Great picks from both of you. Okay, last two hey, questions here. Actually, oh, really ahead. quick, I changed mine to um, Sean Gunn, which you were saying. Like, I looked <laughs> him up 100%. That is the entire vibe of what I want to be. <laughs> in movie. Just like that random dude. He's just kind of like, he's like someone who looks like he's a part of the movie, but he's also kind of there. And it's like, how did he get here? He doesn't even know. It doesn't even look like he's acting. He's just kind of chilling. But Dude, yeah. he's so funny. Okay, great picks. All right, last two questions. You have to answer, like, quickly, okay? You can't think about it. Just off the top of your head, all right? Kelton and then Cade, favorite movie. You have to pick one. Inception. Cade? Inception. (laughs) Great picks. Great great fitting for the month as well. Um, Okay, last question, and then we'll get on from this serious sidetrack. Why? This is more open-ended question. Why do you love movies? Um, I'd say it's the same reason why I love books, or I used to love books. I do now because movies give me that feeling I had when I read books when I was a kid. It takes you to an experience where you can completely live a fantasy, real sci-fi, thriller, suspense, action, whatever you get to experience just like a complete different perspective for like two hours. And it's so cool to just dive into new worlds and have crazy feelings, react to different things. It's just so enjoyable. Love that. Cade, same question. Movies. I don't know. Like think about why you play video games. Think about why you daydream. Think about why you read a book or have a deep conversation with somebody that you care about. And just that feeling that that just nothing feels bad. Nothing feels fantastic. It's just a state of just stimulus where you're just wanting to just feel what's going on. And like, I, I want to really start thinking about what was the first movie that made me fall in love with movies. I want to dive into that. I really want to take a good long night and think about that <laughs> because that feeling of like being just awestruck, just like, whoa, like what am I watching? Like, I want to see it again and again. Like I can't get enough of it. Like 
that feeling, that's what helps me appreciate movies, why I rank movies so much. Like Tenant has that feeling with me, Inception, The Dark Knight has that, or I have to watch it again. Like I have to, you know, and I don't know. <clears throat> I feel like my feeling and love for films is like really complex and very all over the place. Because like there's sometimes where I have a movie where I just I'm in a mood and I want to watch it like watching The Sandlot or like Christmas comes around I'm like dude I gotta watch like Christmas Vacation or I gotta, right. I gotta watch The Elf you know and like I don't know it's this it's hard to explain because it's an experience it's a moment where it your your the world is completely standstill the world is like. You don't even think about the world at all. It's just like you're just there experiencing the movie. Great answer. Great answer. I'm actually writing down something you said because I felt like you explained something that's been in my head that I've never had the words to. So thank you both. Okay. No problem. Uh, sorry, just writing this down. All right. And then to be fair, but also very controlled fair. Is there a question that you would like to ask me? Out of the numerous questions I fired at you, is there anyone, anyone that you want to fire back at me? You both can pick one. You don't have to, but. I'm going to go with the last one. Why do you watch movies? Oh, dang it. I was hoping you wouldn't. This is such a hard question to answer. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. There was a point in, in life where I just became obsessed with them. Uh, and I always loved watching them. I always, I grew up watching, re-watching DVDs and uh, quoting them like crazy with my brother. Uh, I think it was just like a, a level of escapism and enjoyment that, that so many people love. But then I just began to be really moved by them. There was an episode on Wreck-It Ralph and how that movie really influenced me. And then I got into the love of actually filmmaking. And so there's just a lot of reasons where creatively, personally, emotionally, you know, enjoyment-wise, that it's just, it fulfills me in ways that nothing else can. Uh, and for that reason, on top of many others, I love movies and I'm grateful for them. And I'm going to enjoy them for the rest of my life for that reason. That's the shortest answer I can give to that question. Because if I didn't control myself, we'd be here for the rest of the episode and we would never talk about The Dark Knight Rises. Street, I like it. Yeah. Kay, do you have a question you want to fire back at me? Um, I want to know what what movie relates to you the most. What movie relates like, to me what the most? Speaks to you? Like, what's like your life story in a movie? You know, like, what is it? I'm just so curious. Um, oh, man, that is hard. Hold on. You know what? I'm going to, right now, especially, I'm going to have to go with Spirited Away. That was a movie that I watched it and I was just, I was blown away by it for many reasons. But then the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I was moved by it and impacted by it and blown away by the reality depicted in it um, and the sincerity and life lessons in it. Uh, yeah. Spirited Away is what I would have to say. Great question. I've never been asked that before. That was a hard question to answer. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we've got no other questions. That was a serious sidetrack. If you're still here, I hope you enjoyed that. If you have a question, let us know. Contact me on social media. If it's for Kate or Kelton, or you can even email me if you're into emails. All that's linked to the show notes. If you have one for Kate and Kelton, just tell me, and I will ask them, and then I will let you know as soon as I get the answer. 
Anyway, let's move on to the next segment here. Let's get into the spoilers. Pick your poison. This is a rating scale that has existed since the dawn of the basement binge, and it is all based on how we would interact with the film after watching it. How bingeable is this movie here at the basement binge? We don't. While we will rate this out of five reels at the end, this is the basement binge rating scale out of four options. Would you never watch it again? That's very self-explanatory. Above that, would you stream it? Which means it's on a service you're already paying for and you're just kind of looking for something to watch. You're browsing through Netflix or whatever and it's there. You'd be willing to click on it. Above that is to rent it. In the right circumstances, you'd be willing to pay a few dollars. Redbox, Apple, video on demand service. Watch it in the right circumstance. Pay a few dollars. Top of the list, you see where this is going. Buy it, be it digital or Blu-ray. Own it, drop the dough, watch as many times as you can. Cade, we'll start with you. What po- What is your poison? Mm. Say you got to buy it, man. Like, The Dark Knight is the goat. It is one of the greatest movies of all time. But it's an incomplete story. Think about it. It's incomplete. This This movie, The Dark Knight Rises, is what is the closure of the dark night, you know? And so I say it's a buy because of that reason. All right. Kellen. No surprise. It's a buy for me. And I'm going to say not just, I would buy the series, the trilogy, Batman begins dark Knight, and dark Knight rises just to have the trilogy. But even if this movie was a standalone movie, I would buy it because I enjoy it that much. I ditto everything that they just said. One thing that I want to add as well is in buying it, I specifically would go and buy the Blu-ray, the 4K Blu-ray, because it gives you the IMAX experience, which I'm a huge fan of anyway. I I always am just a huge fan of Blu-rays. But super side note, I was really, really busy. And so I watched like half of the movie on my TV with the Blu-ray where it has the switching IMAX ratios, aspect ratios. And then I had to watch the second half on my phone. And I missed the IMAX aspect ratio is like, oh my gosh, the, the, it lacks the punch that IMAX can deliver that just feels massive. Uh, so that for all the other reasons they already expressed, I would want to own it so that when I would rewatch it, because this is definitely a movie I will rewatch, I would get the full on assault of visual <laughs> portrayal that this movie has. Um, so yeah, buy it. Did you... Would, Come on, we're talking about The Dark Knight Rises. Were you expecting anything else? Let's move on to the next segment. Live Up. This is where we talk about expectations going into the film. And is it able to live up to those expectations? In this situation where we've all seen this film before, what is the expectation going back to it? Is it better the first time? Or is a rewatch better or worse? Okay. Cade? Any thoughts on your expectations? Kind of, you know, with it being a rewatch, what were your expectations going in again? Um, it's more of like I want, I'm looking forward to the things that I like about the movie, and because because give it you know whether you love this movie or you hate it, there are flaws in the movie, and that's just part of filmmaking. Is that being able to to tell tell a whole story to a to the world? Really, that's what a movie is about. People will see the flaws. People will dislike what you create. People will dislike your main plot and your main story, your main lesson you want to get out of it, you know? And so it's the rewatchability on The Dark Knight Rises. It's, it relies so heavily upon The Dark Knight. 
that um, you gotta. It, it's like a package. I've been. It's. I'm. I'm repeating myself over and over and over. But like, really, this is this is the bread and butter of the Dark Knight Rises. Is that it? Of the Dark Knight Rises, is that it's it's the closure of the Dark Knight and the rewatchability comes with its action. The emotion is carried and singly carried by Michael Caine. Hmm. And so it's like, you want to want that appreciation and we want that like feel good of, of the dark Knight the dark Knight franchise. It's through Michael Caine. And so you miss him. You miss his, his uh, performance in this movie. Like, then, then that's what will draw you back to rewatching this movie, or the point where like you love the characters in the movie, and so that's what will draw you back more than anything. The movie itself doesn't have that that attractiveness of what you of what you wanted to watch on a you know a lonely day. It's the characters themselves, like oh you know John Hardy's performance in The Dark Knight Rises, like I gotta, I gotta see that again, you know. Or like Christian Bale, like that Batman. He's my favorite Batman. I gotta watch that. I gotta watch that again. So it's 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 about the characters. That's what's gonna that's what's gonna bring you back to this movie. Yeah, great great answer. Uh, same question to you, Kilton. What were your expectations going in, particularly with a rewatch? Um, I'd say this time it was definitely different. I'm gonna come out and say it. Dark Knight Rises does not have the rewatchability that the Dark Knight does have. I remember I've seen the Dark Knight. I watched it once with my friend at Lake Powell. I brought the DVD down because if I'm going to have a movie with no service and I get that one movie, it'd be that one. But I, we watched it one day. Two days later, we watched it again. I kid you not. It's that good. Dark Knight Rises is very good. You can rewatch it, but you cannot watch it back to back like that. And that's why this time I went in, I was definitely trying to understand all the moving parts um, that's going on. Cause there's a lot in this one. There's a lot of side story and backstories that happen that if you aren't paying attention, will just go right over your head. And especially the group feeling of commissioner Gordon and, and Batman, Bruce Wayne, the feeling that they have towards Gotham, especially from the beginning, like the lies and deceits they made. And anyways, well, not the lies and deceits, it's a bad word, but the choices they made and how, why they made those choices to later on, like how that changed. But I think the expectations, you cannot have them big like The Dark Knight. You can't beat that movie. But I still had good expectations because I knew they had good actors in it, but also it was going to be Batman directed by Christopher Nolan <laughs> and I was going to really enjoy it. So good expectations don't have them through the roof, but you'll enjoy this movie. I still think no matter what. Okay. So my expectations to answer the question myself was just kind of give you some insight on how I watched this. I've been so busy that this is being recorded before I get to the dark night. I recorded Batman Begins was uploaded today and then I had to watch The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises today. So I literally finished The Dark Knight and started The Dark Knight Rises like within five minutes of one another, uh, which is actually a great way to watch the movie, surprisingly. Um, but 
it gave me some expectations. One, just in that viewing experience, how does this continue the story of The Dark Knight? Sadly, we had the passing of Heath Ledger. Did that affect this film? How did it, how does this film continue genuinely the story of Batman? Because I feel like The Dark Knight is such a great sequel to everything that happens in Batman Begins. Additionally, how does Christopher Nolan continue to do it? Like, how does he elevate this genre and this character even more? Because it is a sequel. We can't step down. We have to step up. In what ways is he going to do it? Um, on top of that, I was kind of more so looking for the ways that this movie goes wrong because I feel like this is the movie that people say the most negative about. Not necessarily that it's the worst or that it's not as good as Batman Begins or The Dark Knight, but but if they're going to talk about negatives of this trilogy, I feel like it normally goes towards The Dark Knight Rises. So I was looking for those negatives. Uh, what is it about this movie that draws that negative attention compared to the others? Um, where is this one weaker, where the others are strong type of thing? That's what I was looking for uh, on top of just expecting a fantastic film that that was, uh, you know, I was, I was excited to revisit it. It had been a while. I was excited to get into the drama, so to speak, of it. Um, that's, that's really what I was expecting. So now to get to the other side of, of live up here, is it able to live up to these expectations? Now, I'll, I'll go first. I just briefly want to share something from this book um, about Christopher Nolan that I've been reading lately. Um, he, he's talking about sequels, particularly third sequels and how difficult they are. Um, and he said that they were extremely difficult. So he said, my instinct was to change genres. The first one is an origin story. The second one is a crime drama, very similar to Heat. And the third one, we needed to blow up bigger because you can't scale down. The audience doesn't give you any choice, but nor can you go back and do what you did before. So we've got to shift genres. We went for the historic epic, the disaster film, the towering Inferno meets Dr. Zhivago. The way Jonah put it to me, his brother who worked on the screenplay with him, look, we just got to go there with the third act of the film. We made two films and everybody makes all these films about this awful thing is going to happen. We need to go there. All these films have been threatening to turn Gotham inside out and to collapse it on itself. Let's just go there and have that horrible thing happen. I don't have a favorite of any of the films, but I think The Dark Knight Rises is an underrated movie. There are things that, there that we did that are pretty subversive and pretty shocking. It's as close as I'll get to adapting A Tale of Two Cities. So why did I read that? Well, it's because I think it's impressive how Christopher Nolan thinks about these things. I mean, who would even think about that when approaching a sequel? Who would? And, and the way watching the film, not just reading that, because I read that afterwards, watching the film, I was thinking, wow, it's impressive how Christopher Nolan and his, his brother and David Goyer, who writes the story, how they're able to invigorate life into this character continually and, and not just reboot him every time, but continually the journey of this Bruce Wayne, of this Batman and, and the horrible difficulties that he goes through uh, like giving him new challenges, not just for the sake of, oh, we got to have a good action scene. We got to have a good fight here. But what what challenges would be interesting to this character that we've developed? What's the next hurdle that he's got to get over in this long term arc, uh, which is incredible because each film, they just devote 100 percent to making a good film and not worrying about the sequel. And then the chance for a sequel comes and they just just blow it out of the water. So did it live up to the expectations for me? Yes, it did. In fact, it exceeded those expectations because there weren't that many things that were negative. <laughs> like, like I said, I was looking for the reasons that this film gets negativity and I'm more confused now than I was before. Why does this film get so much negativity? It's fantastic. It, it definitely lived up to the expectations for me. And, and like Cade mentioned, Alfred's emotional performance, um, the, the themes of this film, like Kellen was kind of hinting at, man, and just the performances as well in the characters of Batman and Bane are... Please give me another example besides the Joker where we've had characters just going pedal to the metal. 
the way that we do here with Bane and Batman. It's it's incredible to watch. It is intense as well. Holy smoke, this third act just gets your heart pounding. Like I felt like my heart was going to explode. I was trying to work on something else while I was also watching the movie and I literally had to stop the movie because I was getting so stressed that I couldn't like like the other thing I was working on became really stressful when it was really easy. Like it was literally just typing my name and like I couldn't handle that because the third act was so stressful. <laughs> um, so anyway, that was my long spiel. I want to hear you guys. Uh, Kate, I'll let you go first. You expressed your expectations. Did the film live up to those expectations? So, you know, you, I want to, I want to put your minds into a perspective. Like you just watched the ending scene of the dark Knight of Gary Oldman giving you, he's a watchful protector. He is the dark Knight and the dark Knight going out into the, into the light and it flashes your, the, the title of that movie and it, it ends. And then you got, you have Hans Zimmer music just, Bumping in the background of just like giving you the hype, uh, that satisfaction of just your reaction to the Dark Knight with the Joker, Heath Ledger, and the incredible just all around movie. That I want you to go back to that moment, and then the thought of like, I want to watch the next movie, like that hype of excitement because there's so much going on. There was a lie that needed to be created and the truth to be buried from the good people, from the heroes of the Dark Knight, where there is going to be a consequence to that. And this movie delivers on that consequence. Where I wanted to point out to you, Harrison, what you said that, you know, it's been building and building and building the anticipation toward Gotham falling and turning into this chaos. Like, you needed to address that in this franchise and Hans Zimmer created that just feeling of hopelessness, the villains who are in control and understanding how to topple the heroes and exposing the heroes mistakes and flaws and lies to the point where like, wow, like Gotham was headed toward destruction no matter what they did. And the point where being able to rise from the ashes from that chaos and rising above that and just being able to band together, like not one person saved Gotham. And that's how I felt like it really matched that expectation where I felt satisfied that like a hero will rise from the ashes because of they fall and that they've, they have failed despite all they've done and to rise from the ashes. I do feel that that's where it ends it exceeded the expectations. It met my satisfaction and it closed off there. It was just the closure of the dark night. I don't think it exceeded the expectations. I wanted to get something from this third movie to, f- to finish off this great series, this great franchise. And it did that. It didn't blow my, it didn't blow my expectations through the roof, but it met them. And that was satisfying to me. Great. Great thoughts. Kellen, same question to you. You expressed your expectations. Was it able to live up to them? Yes. This is a movie that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. And I'm one of the people I feel like I like it a lot more than most people do. Um, but yeah, I would say the expectations were there. I love Bane as a villain. I thought Tom Hardy did an excellent job. 
And it was just super enjoyable still, like to this day. It's so cool to see how Bane is portrayed as pure evil and an absolute brutal hand-to-hand fighter. And it makes it so cool to watch. And his whole attitude. I'd say this movie, one of the reasons I love it is because I love Bane. Every scene we see Bane, you know, that typical, his hand is like up right underneath his chin and he's like grabbing his chest plate thing. Holy crap. Like, what a bad A, dude. How can you watch that and not be like awestruck by how just the confidence and just like the menacing attitude that Bane has when approaching anything in the movie? It's just really cool to watch. I don't care what people say. That's some good film right there. And it's, I, it's just awesome. I think he's portrayed very well. And yes, I think this, this movie definitely, even now, exceeded my expectations. Partly because I feel like I had a big aha moment um, watching it. But yes, I was still blown away by this movie, even after watching it so many times like I have. Yeah, it, I mean, like I said at the beginning, I was going in almost expecting flaws and while they are there i'm not going to say that this film was perfect i was blown away by how well this film works that even in those flaws this film is just still exceptional that those highs are so great that it's really easy to just gloss over those flaws and you're only really thinking about them in retrospect so i i think it's fantastic so kind of anything else that you guys want to add on to this segment about living up the kind of the film's expectations or its legacy those types of things think i'm good yeah i'm good okay all right let's get into the next segment here binge points these are easter eggs details trivia behind the scenes anything else that you want to mention that may not fit in any other segment just just fun things uh to mention uh, about the film i'll start with one that is really really simple first off that stock exchange chase some of the best action we've seen put to film that that is just one of my favorite action sequences ever but i love the way that christopher nolan is the type of person to pay attention to details bane leaves the stock exchange as the sun is setting they go under the bridge into this tunnel like thing as the sun is setting they come out the other side and it's dark like who would think about that the the details (laughs) about the, the progression of light and of course how it lends into the darkness and the dark night coming back in the darkness but just the, the level of care in something like that, in how it affects your story, how it progresses the story, and then progresses the tension, and what it leads to this ridiculous chase with the police just, you know, it, literally hundreds of police officers chasing Batman. Uh, yeah, I, fun binge point that just, the, the, the details in there. But okay. some others, I'll, I'll give you guys the floor. Yeah, I have one that I really like. So... I when I one thing I when I really like action or thriller movies is because there's like chills during certain scenes, and this movie I could tell you like probably even talking about it I will always feel chills for during this certain scene, but this time the very first time I felt chills, so we know Batman is like retired he's gone, and all of a sudden Batman's back like what the freak this is crazy you know. And obviously, we know what's happening. Like, yes, Batman's back. But like, we're seeing the cops like, oh, my gosh, that's him. That's him. And like the news report, oh, is Batman back? Is he returning? But there's the part where he knocks the dude, where he like tricks the dude on one of the other guys on the motorcycles. 
and his bike rolls out and the dude runs into his bike and he falls off and the music drops perfectly for like the Batman introduction song and you see Batman's legs as he walks up and it's just like Batman is back and it was so cool anyone who will go watch that scene as he goes up to like knock the dude's face mat or like helmet and like grab the tablet that he was downloading the stuff for that the music right when he walks up is so sick and then obviously the part that I love I fangirled about it to my wife she didn't appreciate it as much as I do, understandably, but I was like, let him watch this scene. It's the part when Batman breaks Bane's mask and he's trying to put it back together and he just goes berserk. And he's like punching so fast and so hard. It's absolutely like wild to watch happen. And I know there's a part where he's punching Batman at a pillar. Batman jumps aside and Bane keeps punching the freaking pillar. Like, oh, and the music is super high. I don't know. It's just those, that's like all my binge points because I just want to draw your attention to how cool of scenes they are. Just, just being able to have the goosebumps, watching those go down completely makes the movie for me. Agreed. Okay, do you have a binge point? Um, I So for some reason, I was really looking at how the facial expressions of all characters as, I, as I'm going through the movie and I can't remember, I can't recall the policeman's that policeman in the and like when they're the policeman about to when they're going to storm Bane's like army, and he said there's only one police in this only one policeman in this town. Mm. He's got like that. I don't know his. He's face, in his dress blues. Yeah, he's this face before he he charges before Batman comes down and and like disables the um tumbler. I just want that look in his face where like he's walking to his death. Like he knows he's going to die and he knows like this, he's kind of like tearing up a little bit. It's like, I need to stand with these like men, these other policemen, these other people who have families and own their own lives. I need to stand up for something great. Like nothing great comes with no sacrifice. And so like I've been watching that, that particular detail, but also when Bane finally breaks his character from being this like gentleman slash mercenary where he like, he stares at Batman and he's saying, I broke you. Like, how did you come back? Like he questioned, like there was never a point where Bane questioned like anybody or he questioned like his motive or purpose or whatnot. But it's the point where he stared at Batman. Like I defeated you. Like, I broke you. Like he thought he did it the, this, the, the first time ever we see Bane shocked at what happened. And so like, that's pretty darn impressive. Seeing his track record thus far. I don't know. I, that was just a really cool detail. I wanted to point out. It was like the, the very point where Bane broke mentally. Yeah, that, that is a sweet scene. And, and my next point point kind of follows up with that, that the way that, Tom Hardy is able to act with almost his entire face covered, like just his eyes and a bald head and the emotion that he's able to portray just the same way that Christian Bale is able to portray. This is going to sound weird, intense emotion with his mouth and his teeth. I don't know why specifically his teeth, but there's something about the way that he acts 
as a Batman. Pay attention to his mouth, particularly his teeth. It, it adds in, intense emotion, which, I mean, how do you do that? I don't know. But just the way that these two actors are able to give such a performance by, behind these intense masks is incredible because it does lead to those moments like you just talked about, Kate. It's, it's phenomenal. Any other bench points you guys have? Um, I, I kind of want to save this point at the very end because it's like very meaningful. Something that Alfred said um, before okay. he left. Okay, um, we'll save it. Bruce Wayne. So I'm going to save that. Okay. Kellen? Do you have any? Uh, yeah, I think I'm good. Yeah, just my goosebump moments. Okay, uh, I'll throw in some other real quick binge points here. I don't have as many as I normally like to to come up with. I'd love to get into the behind the scenes and watch the special features, watch the commentary of the film. I didn't have a chance with this um, to watch all of them. But there's two moments that I really, really love, or, or one moment that I really love, and then one like production behind the scenes thing that I want to mention. When Bane... Or, or when Batman first confronts Bane in like this, his underground layer, when Catwoman leads him there, first off, that sequence of the two of them running together is sweet. But then Batman goes to fight Bane and the gate falls behind him. When they're walking on the steel grating of the walkways, um, Bane's footsteps are really loud and really heavy, while Batman's footsteps are really quiet. It was obviously done through sound effects, but really shows the idea of like the brute force uh, and, and like weight behind Bane and the more like stealthy uh, lighter approach of Batman between the two. And it's phenomenal that they just let that long fight scene play out with absolutely no score. Like it is just brutal uh, in so many ways. Uh, I love that scene. I thought that was a sweet detail that to, to add in there um, with the footsteps. As far as the production bench point that I have here. So that scene with the plane, the opening scene, Obviously, we know it was filmed in camera, but it's incredible to look at the extent of what was filmed in camera. Uh, tons of research was done in how they could do that. They have like five plain fuselages that they were used for different things. Two of them were dropped straight down without the wings. The other one uh, was on like a little gimbal that would tilt up 90 degrees so they could film the inside of it actually tilting. And that's how you get those sweet shots of like Bane falling down and, and those types of things. Uh, they had actual individuals fly out of the plane, like behind a, a big uh, plane, like those, those guys who fall down to the other plane. They actually jumped out of a plane tethered four at a time. Um, yeah, so just a combination of miniatures, multiple things being composited through VFX. It's just incredible, the, the incredible dedication. I just said incredible twice. It's impressive, the incredible dedication that Christopher Nolan has to doing things in camera, and it pays off. Watching that sequence is just, it's incredible, and it lends so much to the character of Bane and is a great introduction to the film. But those are all the binge points I have. Once again, do either of you have any before we move on? Yeah, I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Okay, let's move on to our second and last segment here, Least and Likes. This is where I talk about our least favorite scene and our favorite scene. We will start with our least favorite scene. Cade, do you have a least favorite scene that you want to mention? Uh, Bruce Wayne and Miranda's love scene. This is lame. <laughs> lame all around, man. Like, it's just, uh, I just kind of like, okay, let's get this scene out of the way and you know, move on to something a little more worthwhile. Okay. Uh, Kelton, least favorite scene. Yes, the whole 
power-up vibe of Catwoman and Batman fighting together to get to Bane. I wasn't a fan of it. Just It's not the Batman we know of, like, let's team up and you distract while I punch him. I don't know. It just had, like, this weird vibe to it. And, like, the whole... The guy shooting down the tunnel and like the flashing line. Batman's like to the left, to the right. Now I'm in your face. Like it was just kind of weird for a Christopher Nolan Batman film. Um, it just felt kind of like, wait, what? Like, because these movies are super serious, and then all of a sudden we get like this "let's work together" vibe. It was just kind of strange. I wasn't a huge fan of that scene. Fair enough. My least favorite scene is towards the end of the film. I'm just not a huge fan of like how close they push things to the limit. Like, no, Batman can't have two minutes to fly out of the, the city. He has to have one minute on the bomb. <laughs> uh, and like the way that they crash, it, it takes forever to get like, like an unnecessary amount of time to get the other tumblers away from that tanker. I mean, like it just shouldn't take that long. Uh, it, it leads to some great sequences, like the bat flying away from the missiles is sweet, but it's just a little bit long and, and like unnecessary right. drama and tension. Yeah, and the tension is great in that third act. Like it's just constantly building, really. Like the shepherd notes that's used there, and that's just one of those moments where it's like, okay, it's a little bit long. Additionally, once they crash the thing, like it falls down the bridge and crashes, and and I forget her name. Sh- she's sitting there. Um, why can't I remember her name? whoever the lady is um, that uh, portrays Batman Miranda. I now remember uh-huh. she's sitting there and she's like giving her spiel and it literally cuts to the three of them, Batman, Gordon and Catwoman just standing there, like listening to her. Like, why are you listening to her? Like, go get rid of the atomic bomb that you have. With. <laughs> like, like it, it's just one of those ones. Like we got to give the bad guy their or bad woman, their spiel, so to speak, their monologue. And, it, and it's just really unnecessary. Like, I can understand maybe Gordon listening, but Batman literally just standing there listening. There is absolutely no reason they should do that. I'll give them lenience for the kiss between Selena, Kyle, and, and Bruce. I mean, because that's fair enough. I don't blame you. Um, but <laughs> they're literally just standing there wasting time when there is no time to waste. It's like, <laughs> like, like literally, go watch the scene again. They, there's a shot of the three of them doing nothing except for standing there listening. Uh, really? <laughs> anyway. Enough of the negative. Let's talk about our least favorite scene. Circling our, our favorite scene, excuse me. Circling back to you, Cade. Favorite scene. I say this time around, watching this movie, was the altercation between Alfred and Bruce Wayne before Alfred left. Like, that shows the, I don't know, this... I want to highlight that scene, but like that's the whole point where the conversation between Bruce Wayne and Alfred throughout the movie to the point where he left, like that whole point where it shows the whole, it brings, I don't know. It brings the whole franchise back into this movie with what Alf, what Alf, Alfred's, okay, let me get my mind straight here. Alfred's role in this movie was to bring back the whole franchise into picture as to why he became Batman as to what Alfred's experiencing while Bruce Wayne is being Batman. It's painful. And like, I never really looked toward that emotional interaction and stuff that, you know, like that was my favorite scene this time around. And like, it's nothing to say that the action fell flat for me, but it's more of like, I 
saw that in new eyes. And so that was, that was really interesting for me this time. Yeah. Great scene. I, I love that one. Um, I think that one of the problems with this film is that it has the worst dialogue of some of Christopher Nolan's films. Um, but that is one of them where the dialogue is, is fantastic. And the performance of Michael Caine gets me every time. Uh, Kelton, do you have a favorite? Yes. Uh, it's when Bruce Wayne finally climbs out of the pit. And because it's, it's a climax of its own when the journey that Bruce Wayne has with fear and what it means to be afraid and times when it's okay to be afraid where it's natural to be afraid and where he decides to climb without a rope. And I love that doctor, the prison doctor who you could tell he's like gripping that bar in his cell and you could see like the anguish and the tension that he feels knowing that Bruce is making the climb without the rope and just the chant where it means to rise. It's so like invigorating and energizing that I like that scene every time I'm like on the edge of my seat, even though I know he, Bruce makes the jump, it still is so intense. And I think it's an awesome illustration of Bruce Wayne coming to terms with his fear in like a healthy and safe way to realize it's okay to be afraid. Just use that to become better. And that's why I like that scene so much. That is a fantastic scene. Man, you guys are taking all the good ones. <laughs> um, my favorite scene, I just have to throw in one honorable mention just because I have to, is the way that Alfred really gets excited when Bruce Wayne kind of wakes up again and goes back into the city. He gets excited when Bruce asks about a car. He gets excited uh, when, when his Lamborghini is taken. When Selena takes his Lamborghini, he calls Alfred to come pick him up and Bruce climbs into the back seat and you see this like kind of smirk, like excitement and care for Bruce, like a little bit of teasing. He says, just you, sir. And then he says, don't worry, Mr. Wayne. It takes a while to get back in the swing of things because he doesn't have a girl that gets in with him. <laughs> I just thought that was awesome. I had to mention that. Um, my favorite scene though is hard to pick. Uh, let me go with, Man, you guys make this so hard. Holy moly. Man, and you guys, I don't want to pick. I'm like trying to pick one that you guys didn't, which makes it extra hard. I'm going to go with. Yeah, I'll just go with it. I'll be confident. I was kind of hesitant to say this, but I'll be confident because there's so many great parts of the film, but it's going to be the entire stock exchange chase, like the way that Bane and his you know cohorts break into the stock exchange, the way they break out, the chase that Batman has with them, and then the cops chasing Batman. Uh, I, I just love that entire sequence. It's fantastic. That I'm going to just have that be my favorite because it's hard to pick any others. Uh, let's move on to the last segment here now that we all have our favorite scenes fall in we've all kind of been hinting towards it particularly you guys have when your favorite scenes fall in is the part of the podcast where it, we kind of get our, our tagline movies made meaningful talk about themes messages meanings or takeaways from the film um emotional resonance and importance of the film kelton I, kate i don't want to forget you because i know you had something that you were saving for this but kelton's yeah you've been mentioning something from the beginning about gordon and bruce's or batman's love for gotham that you wanted to point out so the floor is yours for that Kellen. 
Yeah, yeah. So I, th- for some reason this time, I saw like the willpower and the try until you literally can't mindset come into play with Gordon and Bruce Wayne, where they're literally willing to put everything on the line for this city. And we see when Catwoman is um, talking to Bruce, like, why? You don't owe them anything. Why are you doing this for them? And Bruce doesn't really give her a solid answer. He's like, I just need to. And I just saw it this time watching this movie as you saw. And you see it in like Gordon or Commissioner Gordon's letter, like when he talks about the truth about Harvey Dent, but he chooses not to share it. And it's like a burden that they have of the truth, but it's a burden that they must carry because of their love for the city of Gotham. And at what cost does it come? You know, obviously we see Batman like is actually like physically broken as well as mentally. And he has to like rebuild his life and like his whole perspective towards life is he's just not Batman. You know, Alfred puts it good. It's like, I hope you're not trying to fail. And um, I just think it was so cool to watch so much action go down. But at the back of it all, you always feel that presence of these men who are willing to put anything on the line for this city. And I don't know, there's just almost like a, like, you know, when you build something and you put so much time into something and you see the finished product. I get that vibe with Commissioner Gordon and Batman with Gotham and basically every, that whole structure of like the politics and I don't know. It's just crazy and really cool to see how much the time and effort and literal blood and sweat and tears have been put into this. And they still have the love and the faith in the city and its citizens to keep going. And seeing that, watching the movie this time from that perspective was just really cool. And it made me enjoy it on a different level. Yeah, I agree. That was something that really stood out to me this time is just the unending dedication that the two of them have to Gotham and the sacrifice that they have to take from the fall of Harvey Dent and the lie that they build, but also that their love for the city burdens them with that lie, meaning that they want to do better. There's this fantastic line when Batman comes back and he has like that ski mask on. He's talking to Gordon in the hospital and he says, we won. And Gordon replies, but built on a lie. And now there's evil rising where we tried to bury it. And they clearly want what is best for this city in a, in a very selfless way. And, they tried so hard to succeed with a lie and now they realize for the betterment of the city, we can't anymore. And their devotion to overcome that is on top of everything that Bane and his goons stack against them is incredible. Yeah. You said it so well, Kellen. So I don't know why I drag it on for so long. Cause you said it better than me, but <laughs> no, yeah, love that about that. Uh, now, Kate, go ahead with your thing, particularly about if I rem- get what you're saying, right about Alfred and uh, what you've kind of been saving. Okay. All right. I I was really interested in what you wanted guys wanted to say what your fall in was with this movie and I'm going to take a very different turn here based on what you guys said about fall in. 
So I want to read a quote from Alfred. Alfred said, and about when he was about to leave um, Bruce Wayne, he said, "Why don't we all stop trying to outsmart the truth and let it have its day?" Where, and I just that stuck out to me so much. That was such that was such an awesome quote, like. Trying to thinking about how to outsmart the truth, trying to delay the inevitable or denying what's actually happening in your life, or like you look at Batman. He wanted to be a symbol to others, like anybody could be Batman, but no one would take upon a role other than him, Bruce Bain, Bruce Wayne. That you look at, he has no cartilage in his knees or elbows. Like he is, his body is torn apart. He broke his back trying to save the city. And knowing that he cannot be Batman forever. That was never the goal. Was for him to be Batman forever. He wanted to be a symbol to represent everyone, to everyone that like, you know, standing up against um, chaos that decays the truth. But like, you know, why don't we, why don't we all stop trying to outsmart the truth and let it have its day that, you know, you need to, you need to let other people take care of themselves and you let other, I don't know. I just love that saying, like, you know, you can't hide, you can't actually hide away the truth. The truth is something that's always consistent in life. That you cannot destroy truth; it'll always be there. It's 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 forever, and so that kind of perspective just makes me think about like you know my me myself. Like, is am I trying to outsmart the truth? Like, what parts of my life am I am I trying to outsmart to avoid you know being called a stereotype or something where like I feel like I'm hiding hiding from some sort of thing that I don't want to hear. At, 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 at this point in time. No, I, I just, that was something that really stuck out to me. Um, I, one more thing I want to point out is we can see Alfred throughout this whole movie stick with Bruce Wayne from the very beginning. Where he said, I am walking away from you, someone who I've heard his very first cries in this house. And if it's a way to save you, then so be it. Like he, being able to see his work, Alfred's work and his production to help Bruce save himself and being able to ha- have, have Alfred see that his love and dedication toward Bruce Wayne paid off when he sees him in the restaurant. That, I don't know, I, I want to point out that that feeling is, is a little underrated. Yeah, Where, I feel- you know. Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. I was just going to say, I think that the ending of this film is incredibly underrated in what it means so much thematically to the film, to the character of Alfred, to the character of Bruce, to the city of Gotham. I I mean, that is just a fantastic way to end this trilogy. And not just like, oh yeah, Batman's alive. But no, Bruce Wayne is out of Gotham. And everything that that means is just such a fantastic ending. Yeah. Now, like... And you can, 
I don't know. There's a lot of people that they're trying to help others and they don't see the results, their fruit of their labors, you could say. And that I think this, this movie conveys that you, if you're trying to work on something, you're trying to help somebody out, like don't give up. Like you will see your success. You will see a reward and you will be able to have peace in your heart and your mind that like all your sweat, suffering, blood and tears was worth something that working towards something good is worth something. I think that's kind of the message I got from this, from this movie to this time I watched it. I agree with you. Great things you both shared. I, I didn't have a bunch of time to like sit down and think fall in, especially as a podcast is mainly just me now and not so much a conversation. It's normally a segment that I take a lot of time to think about and then write down some thoughts. I just, in the matter of the amount of time in a day, I didn't really have a chance to do that. So I was mainly relying on the two of you to feed my ideas for this segment. And I, and I loved what the two of you had to say. If I just add on one thing really, really briefly here, I just want to speak a little bit about how the film in the trilogy has this unique, distinct thing for each film. The Batman Begins is about fear. The Dark Knight is about chaos. The Dark Knight Rises is about pain. And the way that that idea of pain, the motif of pain continues throughout the entire film in so many ways, particularly in this one conversation between Alfred and Bruce near the beginning. And Bruce is talking about Selena Kyle and how she stole the pearls and all that she was doing. <laughs> Alfred's response is fascinating. You should just, you two should exchange notes over coffee. <laughs> Bruce replies, so now you're trying to set me up with a jewel thief. At this point, I'd set you up with a chimp- chimpanzee if it brought you back to the world. <laughs> but <laughs> just like a funny quote that was fantastic. Because then Alfred or, or Bruce goes on to say, you know, that he can't because he lost Rachel and whatever. Clearly, he's just not getting over it. And Alfred replies, you found someone and you lost them. But that's all part of living. But you're not living. You're waiting for things to get bad again. And it was interesting to me to think about in the motif of pain and the idea of pain and all the pain that is inflicted upon Bruce Wayne and Batman in many different aspects, the pain that Bruce was inflicting upon himself and the problem that that was for many reasons, the pain of not moving on from Rachel, the pain of not moving on from Batman, the pain of not moving on from Harvey Dent, the pain of holding back Gotham by not allowing the, the truth. The, the pain of holding in that lie, there, there's so much pain that Bruce puts upon himself uh, that he is not living because of. And I, and I just thought it was interesting. Now, do I have much to elaborate on outside of that? No, I just think it's interesting to see that in the character of Bruce Wayne and Batman throughout the film and his intense, unrelenting journey to try and overcome that to the point where he literally crawls out of a pit uh, to rise from his pain is just Incredible. You know, you, you don't expect to have these things shoved into this two and a half, two, two hour and 40 minute, just unrelenting, intense action film about Batman. You, you don't expect these things to be in there. And then they are. And not just the things I've said, but the two that you've shared. And it just makes the watch even more rewarding. Once again, Christopher Nolan, hey, he's, he's a master. He, he knows what he's doing, the way that he weaves these things in there with great undertones. Um, you know, whether it's something like Interstellar, where clearly it has thematic, emotional resonance that is at the forefront, or it's kind of the backdrop to, you know, a Batman comic book action movie. 
but the way that they are woven in there so completely through the characters and the story is just phenomenal. But is there anything that either of you would like to add to Fallen? I think you put it pretty well. I think one of the cool... Sorry, Colton. I was going to say that one really cool aspect is there's a there's one cutscene there's one scene where it pans out on the city and then very in the background it has the cloud of the bomb going off like you know this show really this franchise really needed to go out with the bang and I don't know you people always want to have that kind of thing where you go out in a blaze of glory to be remembered and this movie really really portrays that very well. Yeah, and the way that it allows Batman to no longer need to be current in Gotham and the way that it truly allows Bruce to leave behind Gotham is another reason that the ending is so fantastic. So, if neither of you have anything to add to fall in, I don't have anything else to add. Let's kind of wrap up this episode with the segment in case you guys forgot. Reveal the Rotten. So, in honor of my great friend Matt from Matt Goes to the Movies, we are rating this out of five reels to carry it over from his show. Because here at the Basement Binge, we don't have ratings. We have Pick Your Poison. So, we got to steal from someone else if we're going to bring in ratings. So, out of five reels, so again, out of five, what would you give this? I'm going to go last because you both, I have the most points for the Rotten. So, I'm going to go last. Cade has zero. Kelton has one. So, we're going to go Cade, Kelton, myself, and see who is the rotten person who rates it the least. Again, out of five. So, Cade, start us off. Five being the worst? No, no, no. no. Five being the best. Like, okay. you know, out of five stars, but instead of stars, it's reels because we're stealing Matt's, uh, you know, symbol. Well, four. That's a very low four. Okay. Four out of five from Cade, right? Yes. All right. Kelton? This one gets a solid five. <laughs> oh, I was wrong. <laughs> I was going to give it a five out of five. <laughs> yeah, this one, this one deserves it, man. I... I really like watching this movie, so it gets a five from me. All right. Well, I'm just telling you now, Cade is a rotten because I'm giving it a four and a half out of five. And that was <laughs> my rating. Promise I didn't change anything. Uh, four <laughs> and a half out of five. It is so close to being a five out of five. Uh, but there's just some few moments, you know, like the ones that we mentioned in addition to some other things about the film where it's just like, eh, you know, I'm taken out of it a little bit. It's not quite to the level that The Dark Knight is. Um, four and a half out of five. All right. So, Cade, you're the rotten. I don't know what that means. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the reason why I gave you that rating is because I'm thinking about all the other movies, you know, like... Should I consider that in my rating? Uh, I don't know. Don't get me started on the difficulty of choosing things out of five. Every time I go to review something on Letterboxd, it makes me second guess every single review I've ever put on that stupid app. And it, it, it's something that genuinely stresses me out. So don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because like, that's why I, I considered that. It's like, I'm thinking about the other movies. And it's like, look, it's not, four is not a bad rating. 
No, 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 it's not. Two and a half isn't a bad rating. On a scale of five, two and a half means average. It means just perfectly okay. Yeah. At least in my book. But, you know, I still am to the time. My ratings are, you know, whatever. I'm not going to get into it. It stresses me out too much. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you for everybody who endured this longer episode from The Dark Knight. That weird tangent that we had kind of in the middle there where we talked about things that had nothing to do with The Dark Knight. It was just so fun to have Cade and Kelton back. In addition, just that's the way it goes when I have guests on the show. So thank you, Cade and Kelton, for being here. This has been a lot of fun to plan. I was so worried it was going to fall through the cracks because I was looking forward to it. Uh, so much genuinely because I haven't talked to you guys in forever, but two, like holy nostalgia. What a bunch of fun. Uh, Seriously though. Thanks, man. It's been a privilege to do this again. And it just, like I said, it brings back all of the memories and I just got to applaud you Harrison, because this is a great podcast. I've, even though I haven't been like, recording podcasts with you every week i still like tune in i check out social media i listen to the podcasts and man this is it's awesome to really see um like i honestly i could tell i could see your growth (laughs) thank you reviewed movies i I second that it, it does bring like an entire new perspective and it makes me appreciate the movies even more that you've done a review for so yeah seriously it's been a pleasure well, thank you. That is so nice of you guys. That I, genuinely I really means a lot. That. Like you, you've brought a taste of professionalism to the basement bins now. Like I, 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 I want to say, I want to, prof- I want to officially stamp you as, as a professional film reviewer. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> give me, you give me verified Rotten Tomatoes, whatever. I just kidding. I hate that site, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, you're so much better than Rotten Tomatoes because. At, there's a there's a video I found where this guy is like ranting about Rotten Tomatoes and how like if you compare certain ratings of movies to others, it's like you, you see horrible. how flawed they are. And I, I don't see that with you. Like you well, still, you. I think you, I think you go above and beyond what Rotten Tomatoes ever wanted to do. <laughs> Thank you. That's very <laughs> nice of you. You guys are too kind. I, I really, really do appreciate you. You joining the show. This, this has been a blast and, and how fitting for, uh, no November. I, I can't believe it. I hope uh, we've talked about it slightly. We haven't talked about it too much, both for the sake of the podcast, but also for the sake of a genuine friendship and invitation. If you guys are able to join me for tenant, I'd love to have you. That'd be a ton of fun because that was also the episode that we were going to record together that we ended up not, which was the start of me going solo. So it'd be interesting to revisit that <laughs> like a year yeah, later. Yeah, it, that, it would be. So hopefully it's we can make that happen. So Speaking of which, this is our 70th, 70th episode together. That's true. That's interesting. Yeah. Crazy. I can't believe we've done so many of these. It, it's fun to do it again. So yeah. I can subscribe to the Basin Binge if you want us to get that tenant episode together. Uh, so I yeah, and then hassle Kate and Kelton and tell them that they need to join me for that. <laughs> <laughs> you I'm just call Adley and ask her about it. <laughs> You're right, right. She's the one that runs the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, before I wrap this up, guys, anything that either of you would like to add or say or plug or yeah. I don't know if you're working on something that you want to plug or whatever. Just anything that you want to say, do, plug, mention anything. The floor is yours, starting with Kelton. Hey, guys, seriously, go out and just 
talk to your friends about this. It's fun. That's what makes this podcast so fun. That's why it started the way it did is because it was just two buddies, three buddies sitting down, just talking, having a good time saying, Hey, what if we did this? And here we are now, you know, us three recording 70 episodes later, Harrison, countless more, countless hours, movies, um, late nights. There's just been a lot of time in this all because just friends having a conversation. So guys, seriously, go out, share this with your friends. Just talk about it. Bring it up. Say, hey, check out this cool podcast because um, it really goes a long way and it just helps us connect to you guys even more. That's why I even started it. If we didn't care about what you guys think or what you want, we would not record these conversations. So seriously, go out, say something, and let everyone know. Thank you, Kelton. I just want to say to those people who have listened to this podcast multiple times, you guys got to realize that you're not going to get this type of perspective on film anywhere else. <laughs> this type of this podcast is one of a kind. And the quicker you realize that, the more satisfaction and just enjoyment you'll get out of what Harrison has to provide here. Truly one of a kind podcast. And you guys are just being spoiled. You guys are too kind. Goodness. I'm going to have to be chucked down the pit to be humbled. You guys are head too big. I'm not going to fit through the door. Uh, you guys are so nice. I, I really do appreciate being here. To, oh, to briefly close out the podcast, if you want to interact, social media, like I mentioned, particularly with the next episodes coming out, you want to contribute to Interstellar or Inception, let me know on social media. If you have some thoughts about the film, you can also email me if that's something you're into. If you want to help the show out, though, like Kelton mentioned, sharing the show with your friends is a fantastic way to do that. Also, leaving reviews on Podchaser, podchaser.com slash The Basin Binge. That always helps out. So thank you again, everybody, for for listening. Thank you, Kate and Kelton, for being here. But once again, this is The Basin Binge. This is going to be nostalgic with the two of you. (laughs) My name is Jason, (laughs) and that's all for now. Ciao, ciao. What to do, baby. Peace out, home dogs. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.